CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. The ETF Edge podcast is sponsored by Invesco QQQ, supporting the innovators changing the world. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to ETF Edge, the podcast. If you're looking to learn the latest insights on all things exchange-traded funds, you're in the right place. Every week, we're bringing you compelling interviews, thoughtful market analysis, and breaking down what it all means for investors. I'm your host, Courtney Reagan, filling in for Bob Pisani today on the show. We'll get the latest slowdown on ETFs, talk standout summer trends, and tackle what's ahead for the markets in September. Will there be a September swoon ahead? We'll also do a deep dive on thematic ETFs like Bitcoin and marijuana as recent regulatory developments are making big waves in the ETF business on both fronts. Here's my conversation with Tom Lydon, Vice Chairman of Vetify and Christian Magoon, CEO of Amplify ETFs. So, Tom, we actually saw outflows in August for the first time since February, but demand for fixed income actually appears to be pretty strong. Five billion dollars in fixed income inflows last month. So what's the big story for September? It's a great point. Usually the equity flows dominate all flows by a big, big amount. But we did see almost 50-50 so far this year as far as flows in fixed income. I think the key here is the Fed's doing a decent job in tackling inflation, but there's a lot of money that's on the sidelines, either in short duration or in money market funds, $6.2 trillion. And with that in mind, we're hearing from advisors that we're surveying at Vetify all the time. They're starting to unleash that money on short duration, going to longer duration, not just in treasuries, but also in corporates and high yields, high yields with the idea that a year from now, if we do hit a recession and the Fed comes in, starts chopping interest rates, they're not only going to get that higher yield for longer, but participate in some of that appreciation as rates start to come down. Hmm. If you're just sitting there in money market funds and the Fed comes in and starts chopping, you're not going to have that 5% yield anymore, and it's tough to make that up. Hmm, interesting preparation for what may be coming. Yeah. Christian, it seems like fear of the growth trade is fading, though investors still favoring a little bit of a risk-off approach. What are you seeing in inflows? Yeah, I mean, Tom said it best. People are really mesmerized by a 4 or 5% uh, return from fixed income. Um, you know, in our side at Amplify, we're seeing income strategies be appealing, but these income strategies are yielding 5 6 7 10%. Uh, across our lineup. So we're definitely seeing inflows, uh, looking at uh, income products that can give you some type of market participation, but don't rely on total return that have an income element to it. So for example, our ETF of discounted closed end funds, YYY yields around 10%. Um, We have uh, another international dividend ETF that yields around 6%. This again gives you the market participation, but also uh, gives you that income. And you know the bar has been raised now for material income. You kind of got to do something bigger than five percent to get money to move nowadays um, when it comes to equity income strategies. So, if we're talking risk off, Tom, do you think that the mega cap tech trade has faded? Are we less interested in some of those magnificent, magnificent seven names? And it looks like we're seeing a little bit more flows into small caps and equal weighted indexes. I mean, does this suggest a renewed sense of bullishness for the broader market? Well, there is, uh, for sure, and especially in the last three months. 
where at the beginning of the year, that Magnificent Seven, and really throughout the year, was responsible for almost 80% of the growth that we saw in the S&P 500. However, if you look at the equal weight, which uh, Invesco has an RSP, it's called RSP, which is their Invesco 500 equal weight ETF, that's up almost as much as the S&P 500 is in the last three months. Also, the Russell 2000 is up a little bit more over the last three months. So with that and the flows that we're seeing around that, we've seen almost $8 billion come into RSP, which says people are looking to spread the love a little bit outside of those mega cap stocks. And also from a valuation standpoint, boy, small cap valuations look real cheap compared to the S&P 500 right now. You can get them for 40, almost 50% off from a valuation standpoint. And then on top of that, overseas markets aren't seeing a lot of love, but valuations in the same way. So as you look towards the end of the year where people are starting to set their portfolios up for recession and a lower rate environment, expect more flows that might be outside of the S&P 500 and those mega cap stocks. Okay, that makes some sense to me. Christian, you run an enhanced dividend income ETF, DIVO, your top asset gathering ETF this year. Walk us through what's in it. What kind of market environment and strategy does this work best for? Yeah, so this is a blue chip focused stock ETF that's actively managed. And it's essentially uh, owning companies that are growing their earnings but also growing their dividends. So it's fairly concentrated in these top quality names. In addition, the manager has the ability to not only harvest dividend income, but write covered calls. That manager is Capital Wealth Planning. Uh, Kevin Simpson and Josh Smith manage it, and they've done a great job. It's a five-star rated fund. And you know, unlike many covered call ETFs that just give you uh, high current income, this is actually delivered in terms of total return with a three-year annualized total return of 13%, just right around where the S&P's been over the last three years. So you get that high floor of income, and you don't miss out on market participation. We think that high quality approach, especially coming into September and with some of the uncertainty, also adding some of those value names to your portfolio makes a lot of sense right here. Hmm. Tom, what other standouts? themes do you see this summer? It seemed like AI was all the rage for a while. Is it still? Is that fizzling out? I mean, obviously part of that tech trade. Yeah. No, AI got a lot of attention uh, for all the right reasons. And there are a lot of different AI opportunities. We just ran an AI symposium, and there are three different ways that you can invest in AI-type ETFs. First, companies that use AI to help get profitability to the bottom line. And it may be with some of those mega cap stocks, the Googles, the Apples, the Amazons of the world. There are also a slew of ETFs that invest specifically in companies that their business is AI. It's all about the profitability and the, and the bottom line and the growth of AI. And then finally, there are some companies that have adopted some AI systematic investment strategies within ETFs what stocks to buy, when to buy them, when to sell them, how much money to put in them, all within a strategy in an ETF. So there are a lot of choices, but with that being said, it's still in the early stages. There's not a ton of money that's gone into the space, but 
court, it's not going away. It's yeah. going to be here for yeah, a while. Yeah, it doesn't mean investors aren't interested just because right. it's in the early stages. That's when you want to get in, right? Well, gentlemen, stick with me because we're going to switch gears here a little bit. And Grayscale's Bitcoin battle last week may have tipped the scales in favor of the crypto bulls for now. But the SEC is faced with another batch of Bitcoin ETF application deadlines right here before Labor Day, six in total. And the Wall Street watchdog opted to punt on all six of them, delaying them until mid-October. So, Tom, I guess walk us through maybe a little bit of what happened first and then talk about if it's a big win for Grayscale and the crypto bulls now that the ball's in the SEC's court. So Grayscale has a trust fund. It it trades like a closed-end fund, GBTC. They apply to the SEC to convert it into an ETF. Uh, Spot Bitcoin ETF. Now, understand that there are some Bitcoin ETFs out there that are futures-based, that were approved by the SEC. And there's proper surveillance for manipulation and fraud that goes along with that. However, when they were declined by the SEC for that conversion, they were sued, the SEC was sued by Grayscale in circuit court and actually recently won. Big move for Grayscale and and with that, now the SEC has 45 days to either appeal or grant at one point in time the conversion of GBTC. That may happen. It's going to be very interesting to see if Ginsler and the SEC actually fall on the sword here or actually fight back, which they can. If they do approve it, what we're also going to see is a landslide of additional applications come in. We've got a bunch now, BlackRock's in there, Wisdom Tree's in there, Kathy Wood and ARC are also in for applications for Bitcoin spot ETFs as well. Um, what's going to happen? I think you'd, you'd say that the, the things are tilting towards us getting a spot Bitcoin ETF and not giving uh, the nod to specific issuers like a BlackRock, but really bringing them all to market at the same time level playing field, everybody gets in at once, and GBTC gets exactly what they're looking for, which is, look, $18 billion in that fund, they're going to be the biggest player in the marketplace. Wow. Christian, I know you don't have a Bitcoin ETF out there, but you do have the Amplify blockchain ETF, B-L-O-K. That's taken off of 38% so far this year on the back, of course, of all the crypto buzz. What are your thoughts on the spot Bitcoin ETF going forward? Do you think that all of the players will be granted approval to enter this market? Yeah, Courtney, we're pretty bullish about a Bitcoin, spot Bitcoin ETF coming to the U.S. We think it makes sense. We're really behind many of the most most of the developed nations in terms of having a spot Bitcoin ETF. Uh, Canada has almost half a dozen of them, for example. So this will be a good thing for investors where they will be able to own a spot Bitcoin in the form of an exchange traded fund, which has its efficiency, transparency and flexibility or offer them more uh, cost advantages ability to buy in a brokerage account will give institutions access. We think that the SEC is likely to allow many of the firms to launch at once. So you have the choice. You could go with a kind of a 
general subject matter index expert, maybe like a BlackRock, or you could use a specialist firm that's very deep in the crypto space like Bitwise to get extra insights. So this will be a great battle to watch. Hey, we love it because as the largest blockchain and the first blockchain uh, ETF to launch back in 2018, it's actively managed. This is bullish for blockchain as well as crypto. We own spot Bitcoin ETFs in our block ETF already. So uh, we're riding the wave with our block ETF and uh, certainly having a great year this year, outperforming even the NASDAQ 100. We will follow this news and probably have you all back to discuss it if and when we get a resolution in some degree. But finally, we're going to switch gears one more time, make waves in the marijuana business. Cannabis stocks surged last week after the Drug Enforcement Agency agreed to re review its classification of marijuana and consider reclassifying it as a Schedule 3 drug instead of a high-risk Schedule 1 drug. So that would put cannabis in the same category as testosterone and ketamine, rather than in the same group as heroin and LSD, where it is now. The move is sparking optimism among cannabis ETF bulls, and it could clear a path for broader medicinal approval and fewer regulatory hurdles for funds that hold U.S. multi-state cannabis operators. Certainly a lot of regulation issues still exist. Christian, you have the Amplify Seymour Cannabis ETF, CNBS. That's run by our own contributor, Tim, Tim Seymour. And you also now own the ETF-MG Alternative Harvest ETF-MJ, which you recently just acquired from the ETF Managers Group. So what kind of impact do you expect for cannabis businesses and the ETFs that own them if some of these, or if marijuana rather, is reclassified? Yeah, so this is big, Courtney. I mean, we've seen most cannabis ETFs rally over 30% uh, since the news broke uh, last week on this recommendation. And here's the key. If you become a Schedule Three substance uh, and you have a business there, you can now write off your business expenses where you couldn't before if you're a Schedule One or a Schedule Two. So that really increases the cash flow and profitability of cannabis uh, companies immediately here in the U.S. Uh, secondly, that also means that it's more likely that the Safe Banking Act could be passed in Congress, which would give cannabis companies the ability to bank and uh, participate in capital formation activities that are more like traditional companies, which that's huge news as well if that kind of comes as the second kind of fall on event. And then finally, um, as Tim Seymour would say, this is a consumer packaged goods story ultimately that you know cannabis can disrupt health. Uh, wellness, uh, the traditional alcohol industry, even pharmaceuticals and consumer packaged goods and pharmaceutical companies are going to be able to now look at these cannabis companies as M&A targets to partner with them, etc. So we think the best is yet to come in this story. This is just an initial rally on on the news. And we think that there could be a lot more upside in the future for this very disruptive industry that's based on a plant. Yeah, it's a uh it's wild what's going on for sure. And I think the banking aspect is really, really key, very important, uh, knowing that many of those businesses are not able to to bank because of the current regulations. I mean, Tom, weigh in here. Do you think this will spark a wave of interest in cannabis ETFs, leading them to become more popular? Or do you think, too, it's a consumer packaged good and maybe it'll be part of the healthcare sector? Well, the great thing about the ETF industry is there's a lot of opportunity. And we're going to have our ears to the ground, see if there are additional cannabis filings mm -hmm. Uh, ETF filings, and we're looking at Edgar all the time. However, that being said, as Christian and the folks at Amplify know, there's a great first mover advantage. And there are two options that they embrace and they offer, and they've had them for a while. 
Um, I think we're going to continue to see more assets flow into that space as it's more widely accepted. We were talking off camera earlier, the whole idea about federal regulation being less in the cannabis space. It was something that was going to be happening over time, and now it's here. Uh, I, I think that's going to be very good for that industry, but it's going to be also very good for the ETF industry as there's more choice. Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Become an agent of innovation. Invesco QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.